As we continue in worship today, church, we are uh, preaching in this One Another series uh, today on a new One Another. The One Another is confess your sins to one another. And our scripture comes from the message paraphrase of James 5. If you've sinned, you'll be forgiven. You'll be healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for the reminder that sin is meant to be exposed in order to be transformed. And God, we would ask that we would be a church leaning into our relationships with one another. We know that for so many of us, we feel cut off from each other. But God, would you use this message to move us closer, both to you, Jesus, and to other Christians. We want to hear from you today. In your great name we pray, amen. Amen. So our sermon title today is called Let's Get Real. Let's Get Real. And this is the One Another series. And these, so the One Another we're in today is Confess Your Sins One to Another. Um, I love to backpack. I love to backpack with my kids in the summer, and uh, it's a passion of several of us on staff. I'm no pro like Nathan and Lauren Seppi that spend months on the trail, but I'm just a novice. But, you know, the few trips we've taken, I've had a great time. And a couple summers ago, we were just kind of getting into backpacking because I used to always work in the summer. So I'm just kind of discovering how wonderful summers can be. And, and I asked Pastor Richard, because he's a big hiker guy, like, hey, I want to take my kids backpacking. Where do we go? And he said, hey, there's a place up on Snoqualmie Pass. Great, you know, first time. So Heather had to stay back. And I believe Avery was somewhere at camp or something. So it was me, my son Kincaid, who at the time was maybe 13 or 14, Harper and Sky. Now, Sky was probably six. Harper might have been eight and Kincaid. And we started up uh, Kindle Peaks hike. Not the hardest hike in the world, but I had my backpack for a couple days in the, in the mountains. And, you know, then each kid had their backpack and we didn't have the best gear. So we had the sleeping bags and then the shirts and then Sky wanted to bring a book and then the stuffed animal and then Harper wanted to bring her book. And before we know it, everybody's got really full packs. Not going to be a problem. And as we head up this mountain, what do I do? I start taking on more weight. I start taking on, we get about halfway up. I can't go any further, says one kid to be unnamed. And I take their backpack on another shoulder. And then the next kid said, well, if that kid's not, I need, I can't carry more. So I take that kid's pack. So pretty soon I have my pack, which is probably 50 pounds. Kid one pack on one arm, kid pack two on the other arm. And luckily Kincaid was like, he was good. He was fine. But we finished the last mile or so of this hike, and I was carrying maybe somewhere around 80 pounds, as well as just being so awkward. And the hike became almost miserable, almost untenable. Now, in our Christian journeys, oftentimes we set out trying to move towards Jesus. We're trying to move towards the life of Christ. And we, for even sometimes in our best intentions, we start taking on weight. We start taking on obligations. We start taking on other people's burdens. We start taking on sometimes things that we regret. We start taking on things, places that maybe we're embarrassed upon. And we get loaded down. And oftentimes, we can find ourselves in a pursuit of Christ feeling so weighed down, 
by the burdens of trying to pursue Christ that for some of us, we stop wanting to go at all. I use that as an illustration for what we're talking about today, confessing sins one to another. Because for a lot of us, confession in, in our Protestant upbringing is, is we don't even know how to relate to that. Are you talking about like going to a priest and sitting or meeting with a pastor? Like, are we confessing? I don't even know what to do with that, Scott. And we start to, we start to distance ourselves from it because a lot of us don't practice it. But I want to broaden out this topic a bit for us today, if I could. Because when scripture talks about confessing, it means to unveil, to disclose. It means that confession is something that we should not think about as like, oh, the Catholic church and they meet with a priest. Like that's fine for their practices. But in our church, for our practices, it means to share the weight of the backpack you're carrying. It means to share the load of the things that are discouraging you. It means to ask for help at times, to pause and rest at times, to bring others along, to stop walking up mountains, getting halfway there and feeling like you want to turn back. Why? Because confession for the people of Christ means to be vulnerable. And to be vulnerable means that we're actually real with each other and real with Christ. And when we're real with each other and real with Christ, we begin to encourage one another in a very deep place. In Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster says it like this. He says, confession puts an end to the pretense of Christianity. Or or I would like to say, confession is where we say, let's get real. So today, I just want to talk to you briefly about just focusing on this idea of vulnerability. Because often the greatest strength in the Christian life is surrendering to our weakness, leaning into confession through vulnerability and practicing authentic relationship. There is a deep relationship between confession and healing. And God deeply desires our lives to be transformed and to be woven together with other people. He doesn't want us walking up mountains to be so burdened we can't move anymore. Let's begin here on this first point. Let's look at the relationship between confession and healing in real ways for us as the people of God. What James says here in James 5, and I read out of the message on purpose because I like some of the broadness of the language, but here in the NIV, James 5, uh, 15b through 16, if you sinned, uh, you will be forgiven. You'll be forgiven. It's a promise. If you sin, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, the context of James is really important to understand this seminal verse because James was a half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. And he was the predominant leader of the Jewish Christian church in a city that would have been prosecuting them in in the time after Jesus went back to heaven. The church in Jerusalem had suffered a great deal in the early years of the church. There had been famine. There had been internal divisions about what it meant to follow Jesus. And they had experienced poverty. And so for James, when he's writing James 5 about confessing and healing, he's saying to the people there, they would have already understood this. They've been practicing the way of Christ together. He he would have been saying that dealing with suffering and interpreting suffering would be a major theme for what it is to be a Christian. Most of us think of James as kind of the action book, like real faith means real action, but it's driven by a context that's so significant that these people were hurting, that they were searching for significance in this polarized you know, Roman empire and a polarized city. And in the pain, James says, confession can transform us. 
In the opening chapter of James 1, he tells his reader, there's things to be learned from suffering and that God uses suffering to mature our faith. That's James 1, verse two and four. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. The gospel has always been pretty egalitarian. So James here, right in the first years after Jesus back to heaven, consider joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trial of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking of anything. So James, again, James 1, it's like the essence of the book. Let perseverance finish its work in you. The Greek word there is this word teleos, which means to be made whole. So what James is saying, if you want wholeness, if you want to experience the fullness of life in Christ, if you want to be a finished product on this journey towards Christ, you've got to start with God, certainly, and pursuing God. And and the reminder that when you suffer, Those things, if you don't hold on to them like a fully loaded pack or take on so much from people around you, like if you can unburden yourself from the the brokenness, that God can use that for wholeness, for wholeness. Like when I think about the ministry of Jesus, he never sought for us to conceal things. He never did. Like, you know, you could just go like story by story. Jesus like never appreciated when people tried to, hide themselves or veil themselves from his presence. He, when people were fully real with him, Jesus is like, man, transformation is yours. The woman at the well, she starts in on kind of like performing for him. She's there midday. No one else is around. This woman's been married many times. She's a, she's a pariah in society. Jesus is like, I know your whole story. You've been married not once, many times. Like the work of the Christian is not to be veiled. And Jesus, when we're unveiled with him, when we're real with him, man, the, the grace is, is endless. Think of the thieves on the cross. Like the, in, the, in the book of Luke, as Jesus is dying, even till his dying human breath, you know, there's a thief on the left and the thief on the right. And the thief on the right kind of exemplifies that being real can lead to our transformation. Luke 23, the one thief says, he's like unnamed, but he's like, we are suffering justly for we're receiving what we deserve for our crimes. Like that thief is like in his last breath, unveiled, telling the other one, like, stop judging Jesus. We deserve what's coming our way. We're receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. He was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. That text deserves its own sermon series. But what it reveals there in the very dying breaths of Christ on the cross is that when we turn to Christ in our suffering and our brokenness and stop hiding and stop blaming, Jesus invites us into a lasting relationship of forgiveness. Or Psalm 103 says, as far as the East is from the West, so far as he removed our sins from us. So back to James 5, when James says, confess your sins. If you're you're confessing, you will be healed. In James 5, the word for confession is this exomaleo, which means to acknowledge, to be implied or to assent, to agree fully to profess, to promise. It's, it's to drop the veil, to, to drop the load we've been carrying alone and to just agree with God. This was not the best decision. This was not the best relationship. 
This was not the best way to medicate when I'm lonely or hurting or isolated because God wants more for us than when we sin and, and step in, in the messes we make. So confession then leads to healing in, in the healing of Christ's family. And that's what the scriptures talk about over and over again. When we veil ourselves and hide away, then we're cut off from what God wants to do. When we step into being real, both with God and others, then healing awaits. Paul would say in Galatians 6, verses one through three, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness yourself before the day's out. So stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. Galatians 6, one through three, again, in the message. We're trying to kind of use some normalizing language around confession. It's not just for the Catholics, it's for us. You want to grow in Christ. Confession leads to transformation. We've been saying recently a lot, like God's on the move, join in, volunteer with us, be at serve days, like do activity. Love it. Love it. I'm an activity-minded pastor. But more than getting you to like show up at a thing, like I want you to be set free from the load that you're laboring under. I want you that are experiencing this message to be set free to follow Christ unburdened by the stuff that you've been loaded down with. Some of you have been loaded down with things that have nothing to do with your own decisions. You, you were the victim, you've been hurt, you've been, Christ wants to free you from that, friends. And some of you have been just surviving the last couple years by just grabbing onto things that are making your journey with Christ more difficult. And you're wondering if it's time to just turn back or to turn away. Christ is wooing you. He's inviting you. Confess your sins. Like, let's get real with God and with others. Be set free to follow. So many stories in the scriptures about this. I love the story of Peter. Peter, we, we lament, we, we too often look down on Peter because, oh, what he said during the foot washing scene. And, oh, he took his eyes off Jesus when he was walking across the water. And, oh, there goes Peter. Yeah, it's like, you know what? Like, I think we're pretty hard on Peter. But here's what we do know about Peter. He absolutely denied Christ three times. He, he stepped... Uh, outside of God's story when Jesus is like, you're gonna deny me if he's like, I'm not. And then it happened. And, and one of the gospel narratives talks about Jesus actually looking at him upon the last confession. And Peter just denied him. And then he didn't know how to get undone from the burden of the sin he had made. He didn't know how to confess. I, I, I absolutely love John 21. I've taught about it many times. The day after Jesus was, you know, resurrected and Jesus goes to the Sea of Galilee. He goes to where Peter is. Peter is like, I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to my old habits. I'm just going to fish. I guess I'm out because I failed. I'm burdened. I have nothing to offer. I'm no longer the rock, I guess, because I've denied Christ. There's no healing. There's no restoration. There's no transformation. And Jesus goes out and, and sets the table for him. Peter's out fishing with the disciples. Jesus calls, how goes it? We've caught nothing, they say. Why is a man on the beach telling us how to do our job? And then, just then, Jesus says, throw your net on the other side. 
they catch 153 fish. I love the detail of how many fish they caught because as fishermen, we love to tell stories of our successes. And then Jesus brings his, his people together around the fire and Peter swims in and then Jesus restores him. Peter, do you love me? I do, Lord, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? I do, tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? I do. The same number of times Peter has denied Christ Christ pursues him and and basically speaks a word of forgiveness to cancel it and wash it away. So I just need you to know, church, that whatever you're carrying, whatever burden, whatever mistakes, whatever has been laid on you by your decisions or decisions of someone else, Jesus wants to unburden you. He wants you to lean in to the good work he wants to do in your life. He wants you to be real. He wants you to step into the freedom that he longs to do through vulnerability. We were in a small group for a long time, a good group of people with great hearts. And when I look back on the, on the years that we met, it was only the times when people actually really confessed what they were going through, when, when people got real, did we break into real growth in our Christian faith. Like, you know, we, we had meals, we did the games, we raised kids, we prayed, all of that was fine. But when I look back, like what were, the, what were the breakthrough moments? It's when somebody was actually real and vulnerable and confessed, man, marriage feels like hard right now. Or I don't know how to, to deal with my child right now. Or I'm worried about one of my parents right now. Or I'm worried about the state. Like, can I just confess? And then poof, they would just share. And then it was like, those were the moments where things got real. We've got to get real, church. We've got to get real. Uh, secondly, there's this piece about relationships that God deeply desires our lives to be interwoven with one another. We've been saying throughout this series, these one another's are a word to the church. And we know the relationship with God's church, with Christians has been so difficult for, for these last couple of years. But we're gonna just keep talking about because this is a message for us right now. God desires our lives to be interwoven. Listen to 1 John 1, 6 through 10. If we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Now, I love here the intersection between the freedom that confession gives if we walk in the light and the promise that when we walk in light, we have fellowship with one another. Like what a promise that is. The, the, the nature of church somehow, some way along the line was like, when we come to church, we're gathering with other people that must have it much easier than us. And so we feel cut off from confession because we feel if we share with people the burdens that we're carrying, then we'll be cut off from the fellowship. Listen, when you come to church, you are surrounded with sinners. Like we are sinners, every one of us, saved by the grace and mercy of God. And you're like, well, I'm not as bad as that gal or that guy. And it's like, we waste our time judging each other. If we walk in the light, says John, we'll have fellowship with one another. So our fellowship is based upon unveiling ourselves. I'm being real. Like someone talks about, you know, when you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, you say, hey, I'm Scott and I'm an alcoholic. And it's like, but I already know that. 
Like when you say that in that kind of group setting, and so the other people in the room know I'm not alone. But sadly for many Christians, they haven't experienced church like that. Like there's just a flatness of most church relationships that aren't deep. How are you doing? What do we say? Fine. Often we're not fine, but we've decided that it's easier to walk up the mountain of faith alone than to drop the mask and to be unveiled and vulnerable with one another. And when we do that, we're doing the church a disservice because that person that's saying, oh, you're fine? Okay, well, yeah, I'm fine too. I guess I can't tell you that I feel really lonely right now. I guess I can't tell you that I've been struggling with like X, Y, and Z to medicate against A, B, and C in my life. Like, you're fine. I guess I'm fine. We're all fine. We're not fine. We just get real. We're not fine. That's why we're a church. We need Jesus to remind us that we are fine by his grace in our lives. And so we sing worship songs clinging to the truth that they describe. We hear gospel message, hoping to lean into that. We're on a journey. We've got to get real. The confession and transformation and mutually connected relationships, the, like we've got to head that direction. We've got to head that direction. Oftentimes when I drive, I use Google Maps. I'm like addicted to Google Maps. I use it everywhere. I get it to come to work to go home, to, because what Google Maps does, it doesn't just give you the map. It gives you the traffic impact, you know, environmental delays. Like it tells you everything. And oftentimes, if I don't know exactly where I'm going, I'll put a destination beyond where I'm going so I know I'm not going to be late. I'm often a little bit late. Like if I could just be real with you, I'm often a little bit late. Like I'd be vulnerable. Like there's so much other bad things about me, but that's, that's an easy one. Like I'm late sometimes. And I, last week I headed up to Pastor Richards and I didn't have the address. He lives up in the mountains. But what I did was I set a destination point beyond Richards place at like a, a distant ski resort that I knew was further than his house. So then I knew once I got close enough, I knew the way that I'd be able to figure out how to get to his cabin. So I set a destination beyond where I was going. And then when I got there, because guess what? I was a little bit late. I was like, but I'm not late. Because I set a destination beyond where I was going. It was like an accidental arrival to show up on time. What am I talking about here, Scott, about sin and getting real and whatever else? If you set a destination for yourself of vulnerability, of confessing, like you'll spend your whole life leaning into that. But I promise you, church, what you'll find on your way, there will be accidental arrivals of fellowship with other Christians. If you say, I'm going to set my destination that when I come to church, I'm going to make one real connection with somebody. I'm going to set a, a destination for myself. I'm going to be unveiled and try to be vulnerable with others. Those are massively huge destination points. But I promise you, there'll be a goodness on your way. There'll be accidental arrivals where you're going to find yourself in deeper Christian community with other people that know, hey, I'm not perfect, but I can be in relationship with this person because they're on the journey too. And then what happens pretty soon is the accidental arrival of like, oh, there's a fellowship of like-minded people being vulnerable with one another, being real with one another, living into the freedom that only Christ can offer, but pursuing it. Because you have an option here, church. You have an option to carry your weight alone up a mountain or to get unburdened a bit and share what you carry with other Christians. 
And in this way, confessing leads to transformation. Getting real leads to your healing. It becomes more hopeful. And real relationship in Christ's church start to form around not the veneer of our lives being perfect, but our shared need for Christ. Like that's where community is built. Not from the shared veneer of like, oh, we all like the sounders. No, no. Like real community is built with like, we're all hungering for Jesus here. And there's so much what I long for, for us as a church. I want to share one more verse with you. This is Ephesians 5.13. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illuminated becomes a light. This is an absolutely mind-blowing verse I want you to pray on this week. Ephesians 5.13. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that's illuminated itself becomes a light. Remember what I said earlier from 1 John, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What Paul says here in Ephesians 5, when we expose things we carry, when we bring a visibility to the things that are imperfect and weighing us down or pains or hurts, everything that's illuminated, Paul says, in itself becomes a light. Why does he say that? Paul says that because when you when you take off that backpack that you've been carrying and you just share it with someone else, that vulnerability becomes part of their healing and their hopefulness and maybe even their joy. When you say, hey, can I share with you something I've been carrying up this mountain? I feel really lonely right now. I feel really, I feel really worried right now. You just start pulling things out of the pack. And when you just share it with someone else, God uses that thing as a light for another Christian. It's unbelievable. God could take my worry and make it a light. God could take my pain and make it a light. He could take my, I mean, anything. You start to name it. It's the incredible thing about confession, that it leads towards healing and it leads towards us starting to build deeper relationships on the journey of faith. The things that we bring to bear into the lightness, Christ doesn't even want to heal. He wants to use them as a light for other Christians. This is where our testimony comes from. This is where our hope comes from. It was true for James and Peter. It's true for us today. And so I just want to close with that, church, that if we really learn to, to lean into this vulnerability piece, to the getting real piece, that we are reminded that we don't have to carry these burdens that we feel weighed down by alone, that there's an opportunity for transformation on our journey to Christ, and an opportunity to to actually grow in relationship. This is our hope as we lean into the season ahead, that we are not just soldiering up these mountains alone, but we are carrying each other's burdens, connected on the journey, pursuing Christ together. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for just the reminder that though the things we are burdened with God, that there's a great weight to that and there's a great hurt to that. That part of being a Christian means that we don't have to carry it alone. That, that God, you want to transform us, that you actually want to see us set free from our burdens. You want to see us set free from our heaviness. You want to see us moved into new places where life doesn't feel so difficult. And so Spirit, we would just ask that you would minister to people through this message right now, people that are feeling the great weight, the great burden, the great journey 
carrying packs of other people's weight or things that have happened to them or decisions they've made, God, we are actually together in the fact that many of us feel burdened. Lord, would you minister to us and help us just courageously be real with you and confess places that we've maybe taken on some things that were outside of your will? Would you heal us of that? And would you make us a church of relationship where we are leaning into the freedom that comes in being vulnerable with one another? God, thank you for that staggering promise that the things we bring into the light will themselves become a light. We say yes and amen, and we hunger for more of that as people set free to follow you and being set free together. God, do a work that only your spirit can do in this church. We love you so. In your name we pray, amen.